up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another Redemption Tempe podcast where we believe all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Liz Martin. I'm a ministry resident here and also take on a little bit of volunteer responsibilities on Sunday mornings. And I'm your host today, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Emma Tautolo. Woo! Hey, Liz. Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do here at the church. I'm Emma Tautolo. I'm also a ministry resident with Liz here at the church. Um, I focus on outward-focused mission uh, in our congregation, and I also work for a sports ministry um, at ASU called Athletes in Action. Yes. Anytime you see Emma, she's always laughing and with people and really good at demonstrating that to our community. And today we are joined by our guest, Craig St. John. Hello, hello. Craig, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from. Yeah, so I briefly served with these ladies as a resident as well. I bounced out of that about a year ago after doing that for about three years. Uh, I'm on staff here and also lead uh, one of our volunteer teams. I'm on our communications team, so I uh, typically the things I do are, are head up our blog. I sometimes appear here as a guest. That's not one of my typical duties. And I uh, do a lot of our social media. And outside the church, I am adjunct at GCU, Lopes Up. I've never said that on this podcast, but hey, got to represent. It's okay. I'm a lope. I'm, I'm a actually lope, a sun so, devil, so, oh, you okay, know, whatever. But, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I I have a large family. I'm, I'm a, a husband and a father. We have four, four young kids who kind of crowd our ch- children's ministry here. So, yeah, we've been around here for about a decade. Sweet. Yeah. Craig is a behind the scenes guy here, but we're happy to have him on the podcast today because he brings in a ton of wisdom to the story that we're talking about today. Emma, can you give us a little bit of the lowdown of what we're talking about as we're journeying through the book, Love Walked Among Us? Okay. This week we're in John 4 uh, and we are looking at the story when Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman, um, when he encounters a woman at the well. So Jesus, um, in, in the time, in that time, Jews would take this super long route, like way inconvenient to avoid Samaria because, um, Jews don't want to be with Samaritans, but, um, Jesus decides to walk straight through it. And so he, um, encounters a woman at the mid of day who is drawing water from a well. And so Jesus goes, um, and approaches her and asks her for a drink of water and starts up this conversation to engage with this woman at the well about her life. And so within the questions that he's asking and um, he starts to talk to her about living water um, and that he offers her this living water where she'll never go thirsty again. And she's like, yo, who is this dude? What the heck is happening? Um, and so as he talks to her about her life, she ends up Uh, leaving there from the well and running off to the town, the city that she's from and telling everyone, come see about this man who told me everything about my life. And like her whole city comes to Christ, which is cray and awesome. So that's the story. We're kind of kicking it in today. Thanks, Emma, for that summary. Uh, Craig, I, I want to throw a question out to you about some of the things Emma was saying. Like, obviously, there's a lot of social implications here, gender implications here. Like, we're talking about the inclusive nature of God's love. Can you speak to some of those things? Yeah, and just a little bit behind the backdrop in this story. Yeah, I mean, Emma touched on it. Uh, Jews and Samaritans did not like one another. This actually stems back at least as far as, if not further than about 722 BC, the uh, eighth century before Christ, uh, where the uh, northern the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom were divided, and then the Assyrian exile happened. And uh, at, so, since that time, especially leading up into about the second century, there's this part in the text that's referring to these two different mountains, where the woman's kind of asking this theological question about the mountains that the Samaritan peoples worship on, and then the ones that the Jews worship 
worship on. So we know that the Samaritan mountain was called Mount uh, Gerizim, which was a holy site where they actually built a shrine, and this was actually destroyed by the Jews in about the second century BC. So there was a lot of hostility at this time. So these people did not like each other. There was a lot of ethnic and racial strife uh, between them. And then furthermore, that you don't only have that element in the story, but there's just element that the woman is a woman. Uh, you have some gender issues there as well, and there were a lot of uh, kind of societal and cultural barriers that would uh, separate men from women, separate Jews from Samaritans. Emma already mentioned that Jews would intentionally go around uh, Samaria, take the long route to the securitous route to get to uh, Galilee. So uh, it was notable, first of all, and some commentators say that, that Jesus, A, had a geographical reason for cutting through Samaria, but moreover, probably had a theological reason. He This was his intent of, of building this inclusion, this embrace with, with this uh, foreign ethnic people. So uh, that was in, very intentional for Jesus to go this way would be the assumption. Okay, Craig, I heard a woman teach this only like maybe five years ago, Mm -hmm. but the way I had been taught this passage growing up was like, yo, this woman was, she was fast in other terms. Like your girl was out here wilding out, pretty promiscuous. Um, But actually just thinking about the cultural context for women at the time, uh, this woman taught this passage differently, a different perspective. Sure. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I don't know what the woman said, but I can kind of, I can go with a lot of the assumptions that come out of this text. You can see one example where uh, commentators and interpreters may be focusing on her sin, um, making this kind of hypersexualized, showing that Jesus was indeed condemning her, which is something we kind of place on the text. And Jesus does not use the words judgment or co- condemnation. It's probably a good assumption that one could place there. But when you look at the beginning of, of the text where Jesus is talking about this fact that the woman had four prior husbands and the one that she's living with now is not her husband. But at, at the end where the, the woman becomes an evangelist, essentially, she's going back to Samaria to tell them, come and see all the things that this man has done. He has told me everything that I have done. She never said this man condemned me. This, this man gave her joy, gave her peace. Uh, she saw the love of Jesus through this encounter. She saw anything but condemnation. That's not for us to sit back and say, there was no sin there. There certainly was, but that was not the, the, the point of this passage. So anybody who makes that their theological point, their driving home point in this passage, probably is missing uh, exa- exactly what Jesus was doing here, which is his embrace, which is his love. And so that, that's a, yet another barrier is just the sexual aspect here. Um, and going back to those barriers that did exist culturally as well, Jesus asked her for a drink of water him being a Jewish rabbi, a rabbi would not accept a cup of water, a clean cup of water from a woman, let alone the bucket that she dropped in this well that she probably fed, you know, sheep and animals with. So there's just a lot there where Jesus was approaching her in a way that just broke down those cultural barriers. And he saw her sin being Jesus, being God, acknowledged it, kind of confronted her on that, but he moved past it. The conversation was about so much more than that. It was about togetherness, about being in spirit and truth, about being one, about bringing uh, Samaritans and Jews together, about bringing men and women women together, seeing them all in what would become the body of Christ as all these people came to believe. That's awesome. Yeah. Can we focus in a little bit on that, uh, the phrase spirit and truth? Like it talks about how the father seeks worshipers who worship yeah. in spirit and truth. What does that look like to worship in spirit and truth uh, today? Yeah. So for one, uh, this woman's asking this theological question to Jesus uh, once she's kind of realizing that this man's a teacher, he's a prophet, he knows things. She doesn't yet acknowledge him as God, but she asks him this question about, well, my people worship here on this mountain, on Gerizim, and you guys worship on Mount Sinai. We have our shrine here. Well, we did. You guys destroyed it. So thanks. But uh, and so, but you have, uh, which mountain does God meet on? Like we both worship Yahweh, the same God. We both both believe in the same five uh, books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The Samaritans stopped there. They don't have the rest of the Old Testament, but they had the same spiritual foundation. They have a, an ethnic heritage together that then later got separated. But so she's asking this question, where does God meet us? And God is, Jesus is not concerned with geography. 
I mean, in, in at the very beginning of the story, he didn't he used the easier geographical route, but he wasn't concerned about boundaries, about geography, about which mountain or the other. But together, we are meeting in spirit and truth. The spirit is seeking worshipers that would worship on either mountain. It doesn't matter which one they are. It doesn't matter where they come from, what their background is, what their baggage is. He's bringing them all together by the power of the spirit and through the work that the son came to do. Yeah, Craig, that's really good, and that actually uh, I think is when we take the history and what's going on in the context of the time and bring it into today, I, I wonder how we can all reflect on what that actually looks like in our life to be worshipers of spirit and truth. And I know for me in my own life, this has been kind of a battle. I, I have kind of gone from one to the another, like I, there'll be seasons of my life where it's just like super truth heavy, like wanting to learn and search the scriptures and hear what God has to say for me. And then there's other times in my life where I'm like, all in like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How do I listen to you? And I think really also there's a beautiful picture here that you're talking about the inclusivity of God, that like he desires all of us, like our mind, our hearts, our soul, and to worship him in and through our study in searching the scripture and that being done in community and then also in the spirit and us pursuing what he's doing in the world around us through the spirit and listening to him also done in community. And I think what we see here is a little bit of this evangelism uh, encouragement as this woman goes back to uh, her village and says, hey, like he told me all that I did. You guys have to come and see. And as we're in Lent and we're talking about different spiritual disciplines, I think evangelism is something that I know Emma for sure participates in on a weekly basis with her job. Uh, So I'm going to come to you this way cue the question, what is what does it look like for us to practice that and enter into that space? Sometimes that word evangelism just seems so big. How do you break that down for us to actually live out in a daily lifestyle posture? Okay, so I feel like I want to steal a little bit of Jim Mullins because I've learned so much. But when I think of evangelism, because I work for an org, that this is like a lot of, a lot of our job is I'm talking a lot about spoken word evangelism. So like literally engaging people on campus and um, sharing like the story of the gospel with people. And then at the end of that, challenging them to even to, to, to challenge them to say like, hey, do you want to live into this story? Like, do you believe this is true? Like this, does this reflect your heart? Um, and so I think there's the spoken word evangelism before, you, but before you can even get there, um, there is this whole, uh, Jim Mullins calls it this symphony of mission where it's not just spoken word, but it's also service and it's also, um, stewardship. And so, uh, there's this huge element of like relationship, like doing life with people. Um, there's this element of like what that evangelism could even be things like, since I work in sports ministry, um, playing basketball and play, and playing basketball as worship unto the Lord, that the, the way you compete, your attitudes, your actions and efforts, uh, that people see the goodness of God through, through normal everyday things that you see, right? Our church talks about that a lot. Um, and then service, like, uh, I think when you talk about like evangelism and service, you tempt te- there's a temptation to like, okay, do I either give people the sandwich or do I tell them about the gospel? And it's like, well, it's kind of both, right? It's like you, it's important to proclaim the gospel, to challenge people, to surrender their lives to Christ. Um, but I just think that that's always done in partnership with something else. Yeah, for sure. And I think the spoken word, like that alone, right? We, when we think of evangelism, that's mostly where our brain goes. 
And so this whole perspective, Jim Mullins, what he's brought to the table with this really does take the pressure off. And I love that even Jesus, right, he drank with this woman. And I think eating and drinking, I know our RCs are even uh, focusing on eating together and meals. Like that's something that coming to the table with people that are different than you uh, is also a beautiful picture of what it looks like to uh, share the gospel and uh, without necessarily needing spoken word. Yeah. Even in the text, honestly, when we see um, Jesus like engaging the woman, he's like, hey, can I have a drink? And so it's like there is this mutual need. And it's like he Jesus doesn't come to the table like, hey, I got something and you need it, girl. So listen up. Like mm-hmm. he's like, hey, can you give me a drink of water? Because I'm thirsty. And so as she meets a need of Jesus, Jesus is also able to tell her about something that she really needs to. But it's mutual, right? There's not this one up, one down. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful picture of what evangelism looks like of like, I don't just come in as like the colonizer to give you something you need. Um, but there's like, there is something that I gain from engaging with you too. So that's good. And the other element here that we see Jesus doing with the woman is he like actively listens to her concerns and then he responds out of that place of her concerns. And so Craig, this is for you, like as someone who listens to the community around you, maybe you're a professor, and so you have students coming at you from different angles, or your kids. You said you have a big family. Like, how do you develop a posture to listen to the concerns of people around you and respond out of that place instead of assumptions or other things like that? Yeah, for one, it's just knowing when to shut up and listen. And Jesus, you know, being the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, still humbly approached this woman, something, again, you didn't do in that context. He approached her. So it's being approaching, approaching somebody. And then what, what Emma said, where he asked her for a drink of water, it's first of all, showing that like Emma said, mutually, this person has something I need and have something I desire. So it's when you approach people, yes, listen, but also see their value, see what they have to offer, not just the colonizing aspect, which, you know, Emma again mentioned, well, that we don't just see that we have, it's all what I have to give you. There's not, there's nothing mutual. There's not, uh, no mutual benefit there. So whether it's with my kids, with my wife, with my students, it's just, uh, hearing out their needs. It's, it's looking at them, seeing them, all these, uh, visuals, uh, uh, sensory language that we look at through this whole level act among us series where Jesus is seeing people and hearing them and listening to them and being mindful. So, um, with my kids for one, I don't just assume that I always know what is best for them. And this is something we talked about a, cu- a couple weeks ago, um, in one of Miller's earlier chapters, I need to listen to my kids. I, if they are frustrated about something, I just can't assume that I know what the solution is that too. And especially when you're speaking at somebody from a different level, it's getting down on their level. Um, with my kids, for example, getting down on my knees, listening to them, seeing them eye to eye, literally at their level, um, at, at their posture and just trying to, uh, empathize and comprehend and think back to when I was in their shoes and just think back to what may be upsetting for that. Um, in, in Jesus's case here, he knows the historical baggage. He knows the hostility. He s- sees what his ultimate mission is to, to fulfill, but he doesn't just see this woman as, um, eventually she, yes, she plays a major role. She becomes like the first female evangelist. We could call her a missionary, but we would, evangelism is not just that somebody that goes overseas, but somebody who's able to go back to their town. So but he didn't just see her as a tool. She saw her as a person with value. He saw her sin, but he also opened up and embraced and loved her. He slowly listened to her. Uh, Paul Miller mentioned, mentioned that on average, she was using like 32 words in each of her statements here, at least in our English text. And Jesus did not cut in. He did not interrupt. He just, uh, e- even if, what we can assume maybe some of what she was saying was ridiculous or deceptive or whatever it may be. Jesus, that would be a commentator's um, inserting that into the text. Jesus just listened and he waited for his turn to speak. Being the person he is, being the male, being the Jew, the superior race, the superior gender, being God, none of that mattered. He humbled himself to be on her level and to speak with her as a human. Yeah. 
his humanity. Like I'm thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder like, as you're talking, just getting this picture and as we wrap things up and for those of you who are listening, like just to imagine what Craig's saying, like as he gets eye to eye level with his kids, like that's the same posture Jesus is taking with us as we're journeying through this Lenten season. Like Jesus is getting eye to eye with us Mm -hmm. and he's listening to us, allowing us to speak, um, and being with us. And he emptied himself out for us. And ultimately we're going to see that on display as we celebrate Easter. Um, and so do you guys have anything that you want to throw in that you're like, man, these listeners, I hope that they hear this about this story. Um, what do you guys got? Well, I would say one thing, um, since we're on the, like that this woman went and a whole, like her whole city got converted, came to the Lord because of her, I think it brings up this point of like, I think sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know how to share the gospel. But a huge thing to be just like prepped and trained and ready to go is like just sharing your testimony. Like this woman was like, come see, this man told me everything about about my life, like just was able to share with the people in her village about um, how she encountered God um, and what God did in her life. Well, Jesus, what Jesus did in her life and what he told her about. And so just even when you think of evangelism, like, do you even, have you even thought through your story, like your, your story of your encounter with the Lord? And like, if someone was to ask you about that, like, could you just be like, all right, like, like, let me tell you how I got caught up into this story and started living into the true story of the whole world. Just being able to share your testimony, which is essentially what this woman at the well did. And so just as Christians, as believers, right that we would just be like, all right, let's take some time and think through your testimony, your story and testify about how the Lord has changed your life. Right. Like, I just think that's a, a simple step towards spoken word evangelism is learning your testimony and how to share it. That's really good, Emma. Yeah. There's so much power in testimony and learning our story and being able to share it, um, with the people around us. And, uh, speaking of sharing, I know that our church has these city outreach groups that we've just launched and you're on that team. Could you speak to some of those opportunities for our church? Yeah. So you're right, Liz, we call them cogs, you know, not cute or anything, but city outreach groups um, where so they're just quickly going to tell you guys. So there was a team of people, ABCD, who did this. ABCD stands for Asset Based Community Development. And so we through this nine month process came up with here are like five of the greatest needs in our city. And so our city outreach groups um, engage in each of those five aspects. And so Young Lives, Liz's Jam right here, she works with um, youth and with collective, working with um, people experiencing homelessness in our city, uh, Rio Vista Center. It's a free farmer's market that's every other weekend. Neighbors Helping Neighbors, uh, where people are working with the elderly to serve like people who are not that mobile but want to stay in their homes. So able to help. We also have like a Welcome to America program, helping people, um, people who have got have asylum here to learn English and just trying to set them up to succeed in our country. So um, these city outreach groups are a great way to sort of like Jesus, be intentional to come face to face with the people in our city um, and engage incarnationally um, in our community. For sure. Yeah. And if you're interested in listening to this, like feel free to reach out to the church, whether through the app or through email, and we can get you plugged into some of those opportunities. They send a list out every month of here's a way tomorrow, later this week, next at the end of the month to get plugged in right away. And so Craig, thanks so much for all of your wisdom on this and coming. Good to be here. Emma, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another Redemption Tempe podcast where we believe all of life is all for Jesus. Come back next week.